Hey guys, welcome to Precision Nutrition's The Complete Fitness Professional Podcast. I'm Dr. John Berardi, co-founder of Precision Nutrition, and if you're not familiar with us, over the last 15 years, we've become the world's largest online nutrition, fitness, and health coaching company. Most interesting for health and fitness pros, we've turned the lessons learned coaching over 200,000 clients into a complete nutrition and health coaching system called the Precision Nutrition Certification. It's the industry's most recognized career-changing coaching system anywhere. In this podcast, which is a mix of recorded articles, interviews, and roundtable discussions, myself and my Precision Nutrition colleagues will coach you on growing your business, helping more people, and becoming a better coach. We'll help you become more than a personal trainer, strength coach, or nutritionist. We'll help you become the complete fitness professional. So let's get started. Hi, this is Bryce from Precision Nutrition, and today I'm reading the article, Don't Act Like a Man, Five Ways to Challenge Male Stereotypes and Coach Men Through Change, by Russell Moore. A lot of men struggle with food, eating, and body image, but don't talk about it. Are cultural or individual beliefs about, quote-unquote, being a man to blame? In this article, we explore how acting like a man can hold men back. Plus, we offer five ways to challenge male stereotypes and coach men through change. And a quick note, as a piece that explores gender, this content may be sensitive for some. With that said, we believe it's important to examine how traditional male stereotypes can negatively influence men's experiences with food, fitness, and body image. Of course, there's no such thing as a stereotypical male because men have such a wide spectrum of experiences. At the same time, we're convinced that the same principles of compassion, acceptance, and authenticity are useful across the entire spectrum of maleness and masculinity. All right, let's hear what Russell has to tell us. Maybe you recognize this client. He came to you because his doctor warned him about his blood pressure, or his spouse urged him to investigate his chronic digestive issues, or his buddies have been razzing him about his extra insulation. He's a nice dude, but he's a little tense. You can see it in his hiked-up shoulders and clenched jaw. He always greets you with a handshake, but avoids direct eye contact. He doesn't smile a lot. He briefly mentioned that work has been crazy for him lately, and that he's going through some family stuff too. You suspect he's struggling, but he doesn't look like he wants to talk. Your conversations tend to be emotionally flat, and your questions about his diet, his exercise, his sleep, his stress, are met with a poker face and one-word answers. But you wonder... Is this really the whole story? Well, talking about our lives can be messy and confusing and personal. This may be especially true for men. Ugh, vulnerability. Truthfully, being vulnerable is hard for everyone, not just guys. Many women feel they need to manage hectic lives full of careers, caregiving, and keeping it all together. They're not supposed to show their untidy parts either. But men are particularly prone to being stigmatized for being, well, soft. Cry? Nuh-uh. Be a man. Talk about your feelings? Show me the exit door. Admit your weaknesses? Over my dead body. However, in order to move past our struggles, we need to acknowledge pain points, explore what's not working, and often, ask for help. And then, we need to be willing to fail over and over again. All of that involves getting incredibly vulnerable and transparent. Yuck. For many guys, old gender ideas die hard. Think of all the male role models you can. How many of them can you imagine hashing out their feelings about their body or their fears about becoming frail and old? 
How many of them can you see humbly asking for help or admitting that much of their life isn't working anymore? How many of them can you picture crying? And no, not the crying of the championship winner as he sings his national anthem and the one stray tear drips down from his clenched square jaw. Lots of guys believe that being a good man means keeping it in. And if you're a guy, think about the number of times you've heard variations of the following phrases in your own life. Be a man. Man up. Men don't cry. Grow a pair. You hit like a girl. Run like a girl. Lift like a girl. If you're a coach or trainer, you might even have used these phrases as motivators or lighthearted jabs. And although they're often spoken casually, they penetrate our cultural consciousness and prime our expectations of what appropriate male behavior is. Further, these messages may discourage some men from being vulnerable and talking about important things in their lives. And so, these messages perpetrate the following kinds of beliefs. First, men aren't supposed to burden others with their problems. They're supposed to figure it out on their own. Second, men aren't supposed to open up to others, especially not other men. And third, men aren't supposed to ask for help, directions, or show signs of weakness. As a result, even when they have a lot going on under the surface, many men will fight to keep up appearances. Everything's fine, they say, even when it's not. We're also taught that certain problems and solutions are gendered. For instance, culturally speaking, especially for straight guys, it's not traditionally manly to struggle with eating habits, have a complex emotional relationship with food, worry about how your body looks, be limited by pain, injuries, chronic illness, or disability, be overwhelmed by stress, or to ask for help. And these topics are especially prone to gender bias. Almost all materials about disordered eating and body image are by and for women. Of course, each person has a different relationship to gender norms. Some people stick closely to their culture's script for what it means to be male or female, and some people enjoy actively opposing and smashing cultural gender rules. And some people do whatever they like, and they're only barely aware that gender is a thing in the first place. Yet despite individual differences, to some degree, gender norms and expectations shape many parts of our lives. This includes things like our sense of who we are, our behaviors, mannerisms, and language, the roles we choose to play, such as provider-father or supermom, how we are in certain environments, such as the gym, and how we relate to others, like our friends, partner, coach, co-workers, doctor, and so forth. And yes, getting in shape is gendered. Free weight areas and gyms are still mostly filled with men grunting and flexing. Yoga and Zumba classes are still mostly full of women. Coaches may expect that men want to bulk up and that women want to slim down. Supplements aimed at guys have names like Berserker or Extreme Something or Other and sound more like Bond villains than nutrition products. Among precision nutrition coaching clients, lots of guys don't seek help until they're in dire trouble. After a major injury, health scare, other crisis that leaves them little choice but to start making changes. And even PN coaching interest is gendered, as we see it at 2 to 1 ratio of men to women on our coaching pre-sale list, and that same ratio persists at registration. And what we eat is gendered too. Who do you imagine wolfing down steak, beer, wings, and chili cheese fries? Who do you imagine delicately picking at kale, yogurt, smoothies, and fruit? In North American culture, we have particular ideas around which foods are traditionally masculine and which are feminine. For example, there's a hungry man dinner in both regular and XXL size, but there's no man watching his waistline or hungry woman dinner. How and why we eat is also gendered. 
A recent study from the Cornell Food and Brand Lab found that men eat up to 30% more food when they're in social situations. That same study found that women eat slightly less food when around others. And culturally, eating a lot is often part of traditional heterosexual masculinity. This works for guys who want to gain weight, but not so much for guys who want to lose fat and or make healthier choices. According to Kevin Niffen, one of the Cornell study's authors, even if men aren't thinking about it, eating more than a friend tends to be understood as a demonstration of virility and strength. Eat an epic portion of steak and potatoes? You demand. Opt for a salad instead of fries and leave half your burger untouched? (laughs) Bro, what? Plus, men are socialized to ignore pain and discomfort. Stomach cramps and heartburn? Throw down some antacids and walk it off. Choosing food consciously, checking in with appetite, noticing feelings, and uh, engaging in self-care is seen as something only women do. Many men feel that these habits are unmanly. They might not say it that way. Instead, they'll say they're too busy or they don't have time or listen, my boss is on my case right now and I really can't deal with this health crap. Of course, men still have feelings, even if those feelings aren't culturally accepted. Just because it's not considered culturally okay to feel, think, or do certain things, it doesn't mean that stuff doesn't happen. Men may feel insecure when they stand in front of a mirror, poking at their love handles, or critically inspecting their pecs. Men may compare themselves to fitness magazine cover models and feel inadequate and ugly. Men may have dreams of feeling confident in a swimsuit. Men, after a stressful day at work, may just want to lie on the couch and eat a pint of peanut butter swirl. And yes, men may have feelings of uncertainty, overwhelm, shame, and grief that they struggle to handle. But men, particularly heterosexual guys who have more traditional gender ideals, may also feel that these things aren't supposed to happen or be felt. Problem is, to change our outsides, we need to face our insides. In PN coaching, clients work on their inner game, thoughts, feelings, and automatic behaviors so they can change their habits and bodies. Even in our level one and level two certifications for professionals, PN shows students how to manage that interchange process as they evolve as a coach. This means at some point along the journey, whether coach or coachee, people have to face, cue the dramatic music, their feelings. To change, you have to believe different things. As a health and fitness professional, you might start with practical matters. What foods to eat, how many reps, how many hours of sleep, and so forth. But eventually, you'll need to talk about the less surface level matters like beliefs. For many, unhealthy beliefs about food, exercise, and their bodies are major limiting factors towards progress. This might include gender bias beliefs like men don't eat salad or women shouldn't have big muscles. These beliefs might sound trivial, but they influence a person's behavior in powerful ways. If a man holds beliefs about food or his body, you can bet those beliefs are showing up in his life, shaping his behaviors and his results. Often, beliefs have been around for a long time and may be reinforced by a person's environment or relationships. When they become aware of the beliefs that shape them, they might not like what they see. They might be immature, prejudiced, and unforgiving. Therefore, exposing our beliefs can be uncomfortable. However, we often need to feel uncomfortable in order to change. Coaching can help ease this discomfort. When clients or patients are in this often necessary and unavoidable awkward phase of change, a coach can help them to identify underlying beliefs and assumptions about being a man, to be creative and come up with different, more helpful beliefs, to affirm and reinforce new beliefs, to be a healthy role model of someone who rebels against harmful gender stereotypes. 
and to identify additional sources of support, whether it's a spouse, a trusted friend, or the services of another qualified professional, like a therapist or medical doctor, if needed. Having a role model or a non-judgmental witness during this uncomfortable phase can help a person feel less alone and more capable of change. So with that in mind, how to coach men to change. What does it actually look like to coach a man? And how can we shape that coaching experience into something that goes beyond grunts and surface level stuff to something that's meaningful and transformational? Here we go. Number one, put yourself in the client's shoes. Let's use a hypothetical male client, Gary. Thanks to a recent life crisis and an aching back, Gary has decided that it's time to change. He's just signed up to do a consultation with you. Gary arrives at the gym and is instantly reminded of why he hasn't worked out since college. The place smells like the inside of a hockey bag, the music is loud, a part man, part gorilla wearing a crush it t-shirt stares him down before ripping 400 pounds off the floor and dropping it with a smash. Clearly his back doesn't hurt. Everyone at the gym seems to live here. (laughs) Why are these people even working out, Gary wonders. They're not fat and old like me. His blood pressure is going up and he's barely made it past the front desk. Then he meets you. Step number two, use coaching skills to help put clients at ease. In this situation, there's a lot you can do to make this process more comfortable for Gary, therefore making it more likely he'll eventually trust you, open up, and explore change with you. You can help by creating a safe, welcoming atmosphere, building rapport immediately, recognizing and empathizing with your client's discomfort, if it's there, and normalizing the fact that people are often nervous, insecure, and or intimidated when they start anything new. So you come out of the gym floor to greet him. You shake his hand politely and introduce yourself. You're warm and welcoming. You guide him to your quiet office, and you can sense his nervousness. You smile and lean forward to let him know you're giving him your full attention. Thanks for coming in today, Gary. I'm glad you're here. From what I've been told, it sounds like you haven't really been to a gym before. I know it can be pretty intimidating. When I first started coming, I remember feeling self-conscious. Do you feel that way at all? Gary is surprised. The coach is like him? Uh, Well, yeah, this is all new. I definitely feel out of place. You reassure him and point out what a courageous step this is. That's completely understandable. It's not easy to be outside your element. So really, kudos to you for coming today. Hopefully by the time we finish up, you'll feel a bit more comfortable. Gary visibly unclenches, maybe even smiles a little. This is going to be okay, he thinks. I can do this. Step number three. Allow the process of revealing what's inside to take time. Men often won't drop their emotional barriers and open up about their relationship with food, eating, exercise, or body image right away. You might have to spend a long time getting to know and understand your client before they feel comfortable enough to tell you what's going on inside. For instance, perhaps you soon learn that Gary grabs beers and wings with his buds every night. If you immediately start lecturing about liver health and sodium levels, you might miss the chance to understand what's really going on. However, a few weeks of building trust and rapport, and you might be able to inquire a little. Gary, this wings night thing, do you really just love barbecue sauce that much, or is there something else this habit gives you? Gary tells you that he doesn't care about beer or salty snacks. The real reason for his habit is that he's fending off the tremendous sadness he's felt since splitting up from his partner, and his bros are keeping him from going cuckoo. He wasn't ready to dive in right away. However, now that you know why he's attached to the nightly ritual, you have a better shot at helping him change it. So this may be a new way to coach. Compassion, vulnerability, and active listening. Showing compassion, being vulnerable, and listening actively and respectfully are good coaching principles for clients of any gender. 
but these coaching behaviors may be especially important for male clients and patients who are less likely to get them from other people in their lives, especially other men. These soft skills aren't traditionally associated with men. Stereotypically, dudes are supposed to reject all this mushy stuff. Feelings are for wimps. Talking about feelings even worse. Traditional manly coach hardass won't empathize with you about portion control because he always eats an extra helping of steak and then eats the silverware. Hell will freeze over before he shares a time he felt insecure in the gym. And if you're in pain, he'll hand you the surgical tape and tell you to wrap up and get back in there. Try harder. Stop bitching. However, qualities like compassion, vulnerability, and good listening need to be part of a healthy, long-term coaching relationship. And when coaches improve, clients are more likely to change. Elite-level compassion and vulnerability from a coach can help clients feel more courage when trying new or uncomfortable things, make clients more willing to persist in the face of obstacles, encourage clients to talk about painful or sensitive topics, and help clients be more resilient and able to bounce back from setbacks. These qualities are central to the coaching process for all clients, but for some male clients in particular who might not be used to this type of interaction, such coaching qualities can make a huge impact. It could be the difference between an okay coaching experience and a life-changing one. So here's what to do next, some tips from Precision Nutrition. If you're a guy trying to get a little healthier, have real conversations with other men. Talk about subjects that are difficult, sensitive, or uncomfortable. Avoid getting stuck in the bro talk trifecta of weather, traffic, or sports. Branch out and talk about meaningful stuff like family, goals, and yeah, struggles. Don't have other guys to talk to? This is a perfect opportunity to get a coach. If you do have other guys to talk to, this is a perfect opportunity to learn more about them as people. Number two, connect over food in a different way. Invite a male friend or potential partner over for a healthy dinner. Cooking and eating together is a great way to build a friendship or relationship and will be a lot more nutritious than going out to a bar for wings and beer. Number three, rethink what it means to quote-unquote be a man. If you notice your ideas about being a man are kind of rigid, notice that. If they're more open and flexible, notice that too. Just notice whatever you think and believe about being a man and be curious about how that might show up in your daily life choices. Notice if you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself or making poor choices because you're afraid to look weak or ask for help. Avoid phrases like man up, be a man, and real men don't blank. These are powerful phrases that force men into hyper-masculine behaviors and prevent them from getting the support they need. Number four, be brave. Really brave. It's not brave to hide or to keep doing the same old thing, especially if that's a habit for you. What's actually brave? Reaching out to others. Doing something different. Asking for help. Admitting you don't know or can't fix everything yourself. So be brave. Define your gender identity and your path towards growth, fitness, and health for yourself. Number five, practice self-compassion. The traditional cultural of heterosexual masculinity teaches men that they should be in control at all times, and if they're not, they've failed or they're weak. It's okay to struggle with change. With health, fitness, and nutrition, that struggle can be particularly difficult. So treat yourself like a good mentor, friend, or coach would treat you. Like, I've got your back, man. And if you're a coach with male clients, number one, spend time building rapport. 
Many male clients, especially older or more traditional ones who've learned some pretty specific gender norms, may not talk about deeper stuff right away. Allow this process to be a little uncomfortable for you too. Revealing deep stuff might be uncomfortable for your client and sitting with your client's discomfort might feel a little itchy for you. That's okay. Put in time building trust, connecting, and creating a foundation of support. Number two, be a role model. Break some macho stereotypes and model a little vulnerability. Something as simple as, yeah, I felt insecure about my body too, can be hugely powerful. Of course, don't puke your worldly troubles or ask clients to endure 10 minutes of your self-flagellation. Just go there briefly with a quick human anecdote, enough for him to understand that other people feel what he feels and that he's normal. You can also point your client to other examples of dudes breaking down their stereotypes, whether it's a group of buff slubs talking openly about their body image struggles, or the guy at your gym who wears a Crush It t-shirt but also volunteers with the elderly. Number three, think about how you frame your instructions. Some male clients will feel more comfortable if you use guy-specific language. For instance, many guys respond better to things like projects than exploration and may prefer the concept of thinking to feeling, as in, what goes through your mind when you have trouble slowing down your eating? Now note, you don't have to live in stereotype land of bro, dude, and arm punch. In fact, if you serve a client population with a wide range of male-identified gender expression and sexuality, that might be the wrong approach. Consider what language and ideas are relevant to each client and speak to them as unique people. Number four, encourage slow change. Maybe your male client has thrown out gender norms years ago and is ready to rap about emotional eating on day one. Cool. Or maybe you're working with a Vietnam War vet who believes you should only talk about feelings when they describe a flesh wound. The second guy will probably require a slower, more gradual approach to change, and that's okay. So slow down, start with smaller, more superficial changes, get to know them gradually, and keep offering that kind, compassionate vibe. Number five, remember, clients are whole, complex individuals. Human beings are complicated and unique. They have many rich stories, and gender is just one dimension of many. So don't stereotype or reduce people to a single factor, but do notice how particular social norms and scripts might shape your client's belief systems. All right, this has been Bryce from Precision Nutrition reading today's article, Don't Act Like a Man, Five Ways to Challenge Male Stereotypes and Coach Men Through Change by Russell Moore. You can read the article online yourself at precisionnutrition.com forward slash challenge dash male dash stereotypes dash coach dash men. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Okay, everyone, that's it for this week's edition of Precision Nutrition's The Complete Fitness Professional Podcast. For more information about how to become the complete fitness professional yourself and for some awesome free nutrition and coaching resources, come visit us on the web at www.precisionnutrition.com. You could also visit us on Facebook or on Twitter at InsidePN. Talk to you next time.